Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. of the reality is as always it's newer and i am riding solo today on the very last episode of um the very last fresh uh live whatever's happening on tv episode of the reality is um i'm i'm here by myself we're going to talk about salt lake city we're going to talk about miami i don't believe that there's any new bravo on next week maybe there's some miami on um but this is going to be the last episode of the year. Um, I keep saying that and I keep wanting to correct it. This is going to be the last episode of the year to cover stuff that's on TV right now. Um, next week, I am going to release a couple of episodes. So we used to have a Patreon. Um, if you were part of the Patreon, you know, uh, and I used to release a couple of episodes from the Patreon in the past. And um, people really loved it, but it just became difficult to manage. However, I do feel like we've got some really fun content that was stored away in the in the vault. So next week, I'm going to be releasing a whole bunch of episodes from the Patreon that we really enjoyed recording. Um, we talked about Meet Joe Black. We talked about uh, House of the Dragon. We just had a really good time covering a lot of stuff that wasn't on the main feed, um, my brother and I. So I'm going to be releasing a couple of those episodes throw it on while you're cooking or ignoring your family or whatever if you want to if you want to do that. Um 
But in terms of actual Bravo stuff, this is going to be the last uh, last fresh one. So I want to wish everybody a happy Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy New Year, happy nothing, happy enjoy the sales, enjoy the, the silence, enjoy time off from work if you've got that, enjoy the cold or the warmth depending on where you are. Um, but, you know, I hope that everybody who has been here all year, I, first of all, I'm just so appreciative of you. Um, but I just, I hope you have a great one. I hope you have a, a wonderful time doing whatever it is that you want to be doing this time of the year that makes you happy. I hope you get to do whatever makes you happy. That's all I could hope for. Um, but I'll be back in January with fresh episodes, obviously, starting off again with Potomac, uh, Miami, Salt Lake City. I think New Jersey's coming back soon. We had a trailer drop this week. Um, it looked great. <laughs> it, looked, it looked really exciting. It was all centered around Teresa's wedding. Uh, very exciting times. It looks like Melissa Gorga on the offseason went and got Jennifer Aiden's nose. The fights are still going. The Gorgas are still slamming tables, et cetera, et cetera. So I can't wait for those lunatics to come back on my television. Um, but yeah, I will be back in January with the fresh stuff. Took three minutes for me to say the same thing over and over again. Anyway, today we're talking about Salt Lake City and Miami. And we're going to talk about Salt Lake City first, okay? So Salt Lake City started, uh, let me just say this, watching, getting prepared to watch this episode took a lot out of me. It it took a lot out of me to go and watch this episode. I did not want to. I want to take Salt Lake City and I want to, I want to send it back to sender. Okay. Return to sender on Salt Lake City. I want Salt Lake City to get lost in the mail, like so many people's packages around this time of the year. I want Salt Lake City to have a, a supply chain issue and we just don't get it. We just don't get it because I'm exhausted. Like, if the Beverly Hills women have too many episodes where nothing happens and everybody is just quietly, passive-aggressively stewing, Salt Lake City is having the same exact issue, except instead of passively-aggressively stewing, they're aggressively-aggressively fighting over nothing. Literally fighting over nothing. They have the um, the hatred for each other like the Beverly Hills women and they and then they have like the energy to fight with each other like say the New York women but they don't have any of the love for each other like you have in New York or Potomac you know they actually they have the hatred for each other like Beverly Hills they do the fakery like Beverly Hills they almost have the thirst of Beverly Hills the fighting of like Jersey but they're missing the heart they're missing the heart they're missing the comedy and honestly, I think that they think that we care more about their relationships than we do. I genuinely don't care that Heather and Whitney are not friends anymore. I genuinely don't care if Meredith doesn't want to fuck with Lisa anymore. I don't care. I mean, I'm saying I don't care, but I have a whole lot of notes about, <laughs> about it when it comes up later. But it's just like, I'm not sure if... if it just, I haven't had enough time with these people to give a shit. The only thing that was really exciting was 
the fact that Jen is a full criminal, but we don't even talk about that. We don't even talk about Jen's stuff. We just say she's about to go through hell. She's going through a really hard time. And she's going through such a hard time, then why are you guys fighting over nonsense? It's just exhausting. But I have a lot of notes and we're going to go through them, okay? Um, Heather tells Jen to come to her room. It's the morning after all of the titties and the blonde wigs. And Heather tells Jen to come to her room. Now this is the big reveal on the black eye. Heather Gay has a smirk on her face. Like she's just so fucking excited. She tells Jen and that she called her in because she wants to get her story straight because she doesn't want any of the ladies to get in trouble for what happened. What the fuck does that mean? They call Meredith up. Meredith comes. Meredith is shocked. And here's the thing that you guys all have to know. These are reality TV stars. They're not television stars. They're not actors. They're reality TV stars. So Heather Gay is not good at acting. Like, she's just not a good actor. That's a bad thing. I was going to say something. She's not a good actor because she's not an actor. She's a human being who thinks that she's a good liar and she's not. Heather has a shit-eating grin on her face like she is just so excited to be making a reality TV moment. Heather tells everybody she knows what happened but she doesn't want to talk about it so she keeps saying that she doesn't recall and she doesn't know that's that's all that's happening meanwhile lisa and whitney are talking and whitney basically calls meredith lisa vanderpump uh whitney is teddy mellencamp and meredith is lisa vanderpump what she's trying to say is that meredith has a (laughs) Meredith has the ability to lure you into a shit-talking conversation without actually shit-talking. And then the person who she is lured in ends up doing too much shit-talking. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Whitney. I don't think that that's what Meredith does. I just think that that is something that you fall for quite easily. Like, it doesn't take a lot to get Whitney to start talking shit. You know what I mean? Like, it does not take a lot. It does not take a lot. While I think that Meredith did do some of that to Whitney, I don't think that Whitney necessarily is somebody who is good at <laughs> good at avoiding that situation. You know what I mean? Anyway, they all get together. They're like it reminded me of like a real world style, like, you know, house meeting or whatever. But they're all just in their glam, their various levels of glam in the morning, sitting around a big old sectional ready to talk about the day and Heather comes sits down says she doesn't want to shows them the eye um or no she doesn't initially she sits down and she's all nervous because she's like ah I don't want to talk about it I don't want I you know I'm just so uncomfortable these ladies are gonna come and I don't want to make it about me lol like as if as if she means any of that um but, you know, she's she's doing the thing where she doesn't want to talk about it while fully talking about it. Like, we all know this girl. We know this girl. And Heather's always been this girl. Like, nothing that Heather is doing makes me think that she's, like, a fully evolved functioning adult. Like, I think Heather is deeply, deeply stunted at the age of, like, 20. And I think that's where she kind of navigates. Like, it, her rules of engagement of people, of how to deal with people, is from the age of like 1920. I don't think that she's evolved past that. Um, anyway, they also down. Whitney's like, hey, what happened? There was all this partying. What happened last night? What did, what, what did you guys get up to? 
And Heather says, well, we all know what happened last night. We just don't want to talk about it. And then she takes off her sunglasses and everybody's in shock. And then in confessional, she alludes to being physically abused. Okay. And then she says that she's going to shut it down because she doesn't want to talk about it. She tells the other women that she doesn't know what happened. And the editors brilliantly flash back to 15 seconds ago when she said, I think we all know what happened. We just don't want to talk about it. Heather is a contradicting weirdo who thinks that she's a lot smarter than she actually is. Uh, she thinks she's smarter than everybody in the room. And the thing is, unfortunately, in that room, she might be smarter than some of them. But I think that, like, with Lisa Barlow on Whitney's side, like, Lisa Barlow is smarter than Heather, which is why Heather hates Lisa Barlow so much, you know? But she, yeah, Heather has continued to allude to somebody physically ab abusing her. And then she's like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to make this trip about my black eye. Um, you know, I'm with Whitney who says like, this isn't funny, but it's interesting. <laughs> the only thing that's funny is when she's like, I don't want to talk about it. And then they all keep saying, what happened? What happened? Heather, what happened? And it just, it's just so funny the way they say it because it reminds me of it reminds me of a moment from Jersey many 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 moons ago. Um it's from I think season 3, I believe it was season 3 or see yeah, season 3 with the christening <laughs> where after the christening um Kathy Wakili goes up to <laughs> goes up to Teresa and asks her something very important. And this is what she says. Hold on. I'm going to play the clip. I've played this clip before, I think, on the podcast. But we'll play it again. That's what it reminded me of. All the ladies are like, Heather, what happened? <laughs> Sorry, I think it blew into my microphone. What happened? What happened? What happened? The name of this episode today is going to be what happened? Um, yeah, everybody wants to know what happened and nobody wants to, Heather doesn't want to tell him what happened because Heather seems to be alluding to several things. She says, everybody knows what happened. Nobody wants to talk about what happened. We all know what happened. We just don't want to talk about what happened. I don't want to talk about what happened because I want to protect myself, but I also want to shut down, but I also want to talk about it, but I also want to shut everybody down. I want to put up boundaries while also putting an elephant in the middle of the room and then saying, please, please, Please respect my boundaries and do not talk about the elephant in the middle of the room. Like I said, she is a contradicting weirdo. I agree with Whitney. It's not funny. It's not funny to sit around and allude to the fact that you were physically abused and then make everybody scared for you. It's fucking weird. It's weird. What's also weird is that these ladies are an extreme glam and they're going go-karting. It was like... Like a buzz, it was, you know what it was? It felt like when I was watching this, it felt like, uh, it felt like a dream that I had right after I, um, uh, finished watching Salt Lake City and then playing Mario Kart with my kids. And then I like go to sleep and I have this weird dream where I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I had, <laughs> I had this really weird dream that Meredith Marks was riding a go kart in a backless gown. <laughs> That's 
what it felt like watching these people. Meredith is wearing a backless fringe dress with high heels. Some of these women look like they're going to euphoria high. I don't understand the fashions on their show. Oh, God. Anyway, everyone is uh, wondering on their various go-karts uh, what happened to Heather's eye, except for Lisa Barlow, who only wants to talk about herself, which is hilarious. Um, Whitney, Dana, and Lisa go roller skating and eating ice cream, and Meredith, Angie, and Heather, and Jen go to the go to a winery. Whitney, um, Whitney falls for a trap that I believe that Heather set out. Like earlier, I mentioned that Whitney is somebody who is very easily convinced to talk about a thing. Like she's a very easy mark in that way, you know. But Whitney immediately starts to talk about how she believes that Jen abused Heather and Jen did this to Heather. Their relationship is so weird, all this stuff. But I think like this is what Heather wants. Heather, I'm going to talk later about what I think actually happened Heather's eye. But like Heather wants to create this weird sort of Oh, we do. We know. I don't know. Do you know what happened? I have no idea what happened. Let's I don't know. We got to fit like she does these things and Whitney takes the bait every time. So Whitney takes the bait and she starts to talk about how Jen Shaw abused Heather, which I feel like is what Heather set out to do. She set out to create a situation where Whitney talks about Jen Shaw so that Jen Shaw could fucking destroy Whitney destroy her. You know what I mean? And that's what, I don't know if you know, but that's what she did this week on Twitter, She, which, God, it was hilarious. Jen went on Twitter and started talking about calling Whitney an insurrectionist because there's a picture of Whitney with that lady, Sarah, from like season one who ended up being a January 6th insurrectionist. Um, There's a picture of Whitney kissing that girl and Jen posted it was like, oh, who, look who's a violent abuser, something, something like, I don't know what she said. She called Whitney an insurrectionist. Hilariously, Whitney and Lisa Barlow immediately started posting pictures of Jen and Heather partying with that same girl. It's like, like, come on, come on, guys. This is the kind of person Jen Shaw is. But anyway, this whole situation of Whitney starting to fall for this situation where Heather I believe that Heather, I believe the thing that Whitney is saying about Meredith is actually true about Heather, where Heather alludes to a situation or baits people in a certain conversation, and then Whitney always takes the bait. This happened last year with Meredith and the funeral and shit, right? Like Meredith, this whole thing of did Meredith call the feds on Jen Shah, that was Heather coming up with some nonsense conspiracy theory and Whitney taking the bait and running with it. It's the same exact thing that's happening here. However, I want to say this, however, like I want to say that like, oh, this is just Heather kind of insinuating that something happened with her and Jen so that Whitney starts to talk about it. I want to believe that it's a conspiracy theory. However, the silence from Jen at the winery when Meredith and Angie are concerned about Heather's well-being tells me, well, I me feel like maybe Jen Shaw did do this. There's also a rumor on the internet, allegedly, <laughs> This is so ridiculous. There is Salt Lake City, the show, and then there is all this nonsense that happens on the internet. It's too fucking much. But there's a rumor, allegedly, that, you know, Meredith and Jen Shaw had apparently hooked up with the same guy in New York, which is why Jen knew about Meredith hooking up with that guy. There's also a rumor that, <laughs> guys, that came in, there's a rumor that Jen Shaw went down at Meredith Marks. 
ate her box. So now I'm like, maybe Heather and Jen hooked up and that explains all the scratches on her back. I don't fucking know. At this point, it could literally be anything. But, you know, Meredith and Angie are very concerned about Heather and the way Heather has this incredible ability to pivot, to change the topic from her eye to talking about Whitney and then pivoting to Lisa Barlow's SEC filing. I mean, that's impressive. It's diabolical, but it is fucking impressive. It really is. Dan at the same time is telling Lisa that uh, the SEC filing was discussed by Meredith multiple times in front of a lot of other people. And the thing is, I agree. I agree that I agree with Lisa that Meredith is coming for Lisa because of her rant. I agree with that. What I don't agree with, I don't like it, is when Lisa says that, says that thing about Meredith says, I have mental issues, but you're no, you're, I'm not the one that's popping pills, bitch. You do. Here's the thing. Okay, we're not we're not gonna shame mental health care and medication for mental health, Lisa Barlow. Okay. Yes, Meredith Marks is being a vengeful monster. She's dragging your business out on the street. Yes, Meredith Marks said that maybe you should go and get some help. But we're not gonna drag medication for mental health. No, everybody should be medicated. We could all be medicated. That's why we fucking love science because medicine is amazing. It's keeping us alive. It has extended all of our fucking like life expectancy. So yeah, take the meds. Let's not shame people for popping pills, bitch. Anyway, on the sprinter van back from the winery, Meredith, Heather, and Jen and Angie are talking about the SEC filing and the crowdfunding. Honestly, I don't care. Whatever. It sounds like basic shit that people do. But the reason why Meredith and Heather are so up in their Meredith is up in her, you know, uh, up in her feelings because of the rant, which is fine. Meredith can be mad at Lisa if she wants to. Heather is just, you know. Heather is just taking Lisa's face and putting it in mud because that's what Heather enjoys doing most. Heather does not hate anybody in the world more than she hates Lisa Barlow. And we've talked ad nauseum about all the reasons why. It's the Mormon thing. It's the cool Mormon thing. It's the Mormon 2.0 thing. It's the fact that Lisa Barlow gets to still call call herself Mormon, be a part of the church while living the life that she lives drinking and doing whatever because she's married and all that shit. And Heather doesn't get to do that because her husband decided to divorce her. And that's why she fucking hates Lisa Barlow. It's because her husband decided to divorce her. So now Heather is no longer part of the Mormon church. And now Heather is out there rebelling. Fine. But Lisa Barlow, because she's married, gets to have an entire alcohol brand, live whatever life she wants. And she's protected on the Mormon church because she's a married woman. It's truly fucked up. That's not Lisa's fault. That's the church's fault, Heather. You don't have to hate Lisa for that. You can hate Lisa for a bunch of other reasons. Meredith got Meredith has legitimate reasons for why she hates Lisa. Yes, Lisa's rant was absolutely crazy. It was absolutely unhinged. I shouldn't say crazy. I've been trying to work on not saying it. And it's really hard, man. I got to come up with some better. I got to do some reading. That's what I'm going to do during the break. Come up with better words to say than crazy. But yes, Lisa's rant was unhinged. It was 
likely all of the things that she feels about Meredith. There is 100% reason for Meredith to not like Lisa. That's fine. But Heather doesn't like Lisa just for little things like Lisa saying, I'm the richest bitch here. And Heather doesn't like that. So now Heather's like, oh, crowdfunding and SEC filings. That seems like something you wouldn't want to do if you have all this money, if you're the richest bitch. Meredith is like, yeah, you want to talk about my family and my money and all this shit? Now now I'm going to talk about yours. And she says she got it through some random DM. Nobody believes that. No one believes that. Anyway, once they get to the house, Angie immediately goes and tells on Meredith and Heather and Jen to Lisa Barlow. And there's like this very long-winded feathers and seagulls and birds shitting on people confessional moment. And it truly sounded like something my eight-year-old would say. It sounds like not that my eight-year-old eight-year-old would talk about birds shitting on anyone, but my my eight-year-old sounds like that when he's trying to trying to like tell me a story, you know? He'd be like, well, you know, those people are friends with each other. And you know that one girl she likes, she likes feathers. You know she loves feathers. So birds of a feather, they flock together, but they're not regular birds. They're seagulls. You know why they're seagulls? Because seagulls poop on people and nobody likes them. (laughs) That's what Angie sounded like. And I kind of loved it. It was ridiculous. It was hilarious. All of it was hilarious. It was like all these people thinking that they're doing a thing and they're not. The Grecian dinner starts and Heather shows up with a custom eye patch that she says that Jen and Meredith put together. Now, let me tell you something. Put it together. Oh, they bedazzled it and they put it together. Okay, you guys were expecting this. You guys were expecting this. You were thinking that this was going to be a moment. You didn't fucking task rabbit an evil eye patch that you put together. Where did you, a glue gun? Did you have a, where did you get the elastic for the band around your head? What did you use, a bra strap? I need to understand. I need to see footage of them actually putting that shit together. Because you know if they did, we would have gotten entire footage about it. They didn't just fucking put it together. It was already there. Jen didn't just fucking travel with a single eye patch. Get the fuck out of here. Anyway, at the dinner, everybody gets there. Lisa Barlow is visibly grumpy. And Whitney asks who brought up the SEC filing. Now, I want to say before they bring that up, Jen is like, Lisa, why are you so grumpy? And she's like, whatever, it's nothing. And she's like, oh, so now you're going to lie to me? This is ridiculous. If you talk shit about somebody and that person finds out that you were talking shit and they don't want to talk to you and they don't want to fuck with you, and then you ask them what's wrong and they say nothing, That doesn't call them, they're not lying to you. They're protecting themselves from you. Oh, you're a liar now? It's so fucking crazy. Again, sorry. It's so unhinged. In this situation, I do have to say, Jen Shah is not well. She's not, she's an unwell person. So maybe I can say crazy for her. I don't know what the rules are. It's nuts. (laughs) I'm trying, guys. Anyway, Whitney brings up the SEC filing and she's like, who brought it up? Why are we talking about it? What's going on? Why are you talking about Lisa's finances? And Meredith doesn't own it, which is why I believe that Meredith is not an iconic housewife. She doesn't actually own anything. She doesn't actually own any part of it. You know, she's a classic disengager. If she could have disengaged in that moment, she would have. 
But yeah, Lisa's like, yeah, Angie came and told me everything. And Heather, another one who never wants to own her shitty behavior, deflects to Angie and says, Angie, it's in poor taste for you to host a dinner and stir shit up right before. (laughs) You are the one that was talking shit about Jen. I mean, talking shit about Lisa. And now you're going to get mad at Angie for telling Lisa that you were talking shit. Own your shit, Heather. Own your shit. Own the fact that you were sitting around and talking shit. Don't get mad at the person that you were talking shit to for going and telling their friend that you were talking shit. Stand in your truth. Stand in te- stand 10 toes in your truth or whatever it is that Wendy says to Robin Dixon. Anyway, Lisa calls Meredith out and she's like, I know that you're doing all this because of the rant, which is absolutely ridiculous. Lisa's like, I know the rant was bad, but it was an absolutely ridiculous rant. And that's all I did to you. And I don't know why you're so mad. And Meredith claims that Meredith goes on. Meredith says all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff, which I don't think she necessarily needs to say, right? Like Meredith, Meredith is like, Lisa, you put all of Seth's employees in jeopardy with that rant. What? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? It is as absurd as when she went on a tirade against Jen Shaw because she felt like Jen's likes on Twitter were putting Brooke's life in danger. Like, come on, Meredith. Just say that you don't like her. Just say that I don't like you. I don't like you because of the stuff that you said about my family, period. It doesn't have to be that you put people's lives at at risk and jobs in jeopardy because she didn't. She made you feel like shit about the shit that she said about your family. And that has to be enough. You have every right to hate Lisa Barlow, but you don't have to go and do all these other reaches because that's where you lose me. You know, she's like, you want to sling mud on Lisa Barlow? Go ahead and do it. Like I said, you have every right to do it. But the problem also is Meredith won't say that to Lisa. She's not going to say to Lisa, I just don't like you because of what you said. She's not going to say that. Instead, she says a whole bunch of other shit. She said in the sprinter van, oh, if you're going to talk about my family and my businesses, I could talk about your family and your businesses, right? But she doesn't actually say that to Meredith because, sorry, she doesn't actually say that to Lisa. So when Lisa says, Meredith, I know you're doing this to me because of the rant. Meredith doesn't say yes. Meredith is like, oh, it's because you put Seth's employees' lives in jeopardy. What? Get out of here. This is where Meredith loses the fight for me because she somehow she somehow goes from this to deflecting on how Lisa accused her of being Lisa Lisa accused she's mad at Lisa because Lisa accused Meredith of accusing Lisa of being mentally unstable. I'm I've become mentally unstable even repeating. Do you hear what I just said? Meredith is mad because Lisa accuses Meredith of accusing Lisa of being mentally unstable. Guys, what are we doing here? What which by the way she did she did do that. But what are we doing here? She said that to to Lisa in Arizona. She said I could help you. When Lisa's like what can we do to get through this? Get past this. What do we what can I do to move on? I'm sorry. What can we do to move on? Meredith is like, "Well, if you want to get help, I can help you get some help because obviously you're unwell. Obviously something is wrong and you need to go and seek professional help to deal with whatever it is that's going on. And Lisa's like, are you calling me mentally unstable? (laughs) So she did do that. 
But then like Lisa says, Lisa says, I've, I've, you need to tell me why, what else it is, it is it besides the rant, which I've already apologized for, for us to move on. And Meredith says, Lisa, you've done plenty of things. You've talked badly about me behind my back, which is the rant, right? She says, not calling me because my father was dying, which is a bad reason. But then at the end, she throws in something else, which is Kukubununu, she says, canceling my makeup artist during a global pandemic. And like even the editor is throwing a boing because it was like such an absurd thing to say. Like Meredith, you have every reason to not like this woman, but the reasons that you're pulling up (laughs) make it sound like you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Makes it sound like you're just pulling at the strings for something. You're literally grasping for straws that they say, as they say. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, later then, Whitney's like, what can we do to move past it because we love each other? I'm like, I don't think you do. I don't think I don't think you guys love each other. I think you love being on a television show, but you don't actually love each other. Okay, let's be honest here. Heather makes some sort of bizarre, twisted an- analogy about her eye being the same as his friend group. And then Whitney again, because because Heather said, I don't want to talk about my eye. But Whitney again asks, Heather, what happened to your eye? Did something happen? And Heather's like, well, if there's a secret knock on your door, don't open it. She talks about Fight Club, some about Fight Club. Things I just don't care about. But here are the three possibilities of what I think actually happened to Heather Gay. It could have been Jen Chow. B- deeply possible. So when Heather says, I'm protecting myself, she's protecting herself against Jen Shaw because Jen Shaw, first of all, I think she's protecting Jen because she could be protecting Jen because if Jen was violent towards Heather, that then, you know, Jen's legal troubles, et cetera, et cetera, she'd be off the show, all those things, right? So it could be that she's protecting Jen and herself. It could be that she came with a swollen eye and it got worse because beauty or beauty lab and laser, whatever, that place gave her some bad Botox. So it could have been a Botox reaction. We've seen it through other shows before. And so the eye patch that she brought along with her was all because she was already expecting this to happen. She could have had a sty. Who fucking knows? Or the third thing is that Heather is a thirsty enough fucking loser to actually do this to herself. Her bestie actually on this show is Angie fucking Harrington. Angie Harrington, who, by the way, apparently like they had the reunion. Angie Harrington face tuned <laughs> half of Heather's body out of a picture of her and Meredith together. But Angie, Angie Harrington is her best friend. And Han- Angie Harrington is thirsty and thirsty enough to do something like this and I feel like Heather is also so those are the three possibilities and apparently we need to wait two fucking weeks to figure out what happened apparently in the ultimate girls trip trailer Heather says I don't know what happened so again I really pulled this to I don't care what happened I don't want you to keep dragging it along if you don't want to talk about it then don't fucking talk about it leave me the fuck alone let's move on (sighs) All right, I'm going to take a quick breather. I'm going to get some water, and then I will be right back to talk about Real Housewives of Miami, the reasons for the season, truly. It's not Christmas. It's not Christ. It is Real Housewives of Miami. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. 
Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. All right, and we're back. Let's talk about Warehouses of Miami. What a show. Uh, We're back in the Keys, and Lisa has now told all the ladies all the details about all the things that are going on with Lenny. And immediately as these women are gathering around Lisa, they do this thing that I have two feelings about, right? They immediately trash this woman. They keep talking about Lenny being out of his mind. Lenny's lost his mind. And with the woman... They trash her. They look at her Instagram. They call her a hoe. I get it. They want to call the woman who is breaking up their marriage a hoe. Fine. But we already know that Lenny has had a, what Lisa called an emotional affair with somebody else. So this is not Lenny's first rodeo. It's just a woman that finally decided to, I don't know, show up on camera or something. I don't fucking know. But like, this woman isn't the one that's breaking up your marriage. Lenny is breaking up your marriage. Lenny is the fucking problem. So let's focus on Lenny, which like I appreciate it. Then after that, Gertie's advice to Lisa, which is like, if he thinks that this is all worth losing her and the kids, then he deserves this other woman. They deserve each other. You, They don't deserve you, Lisa. You got to focus on yourself. And she says, Larsa isn't even an example of what it looks like to be on the other side of it. You're going to be okay. Just focus on Lisa, right? And then Larsa says in a confessional something super problematic. She's like, Gertie, put a muzzle on it. Mm, I don't know about that, girl. That sounds that sounds like a microaggression if I've ever heard one. But and then she makes some comment in her confessional about Michelle Obama and staying in her lane. And it was very confusing. But we'll get to that again later. Anyway, everyone is super supportive of Lisa. And Lisa is just like, listen, I got to get out of here. I got to take a break. She walks away. Everybody goes to their rooms. People are very drunk. They're napping. They're calling their husbands. They're getting ready for dinner. And then Lisa gets a call from Marina, Lenny's husband. Lenny's husband. Jesus Christ, look at me. Lenny's mother. And she tells her, Marina tells her that Lenny has even kicked her out of the house. He is kicking his own mother out of the house. He is getting rid of the driver. He's telling her to get the kids out of there, all this stuff. Lenny is, now, has Lenny lost his mind? Yes. But I feel like this is also maybe who Lenny was always. I don't think this is surprising. I don't think that any of us are, like, shocked that this man could do Have you, it's like Kiki said, have you seen his face? (laughs) Have you seen his head? Have you seen this man? Of course he did this. This is not a good guy. I mean, listen, my heart breaks for Lisa. It's absolutely terrible that this is happening. 
but I'm just I'm not surprised because Lenny's a piece of shit. Lenny's been a piece of shit since season one. Lenny's been or the or Lisa's first season. Lenny like bullied Lisa into having children. Fucking bullied her, made her feel like shit for not for having fertility issues. So Lenny's been a piece of shit from jump. None of this is surprising to me. But like the fact that he's also doing this to his mom, that's wild shit, man. Wild, wild shit. Anyway, the dinner's happening, happening, and Lisa, I mean, Alexia is just fully celebrating herself. It's her birthday. She's celebrating herself, her husband, her watches, her life, her love, which is super tone deaf. But meanwhile, Lisa's on the phone. She's trying to get the nanny to go into the house. She's trying to get Marina in the house to watch the kids while this woman is at, this other woman, the mistress, is at her house. Basically, Lenny's trying to get a sneaky link in with the parent, with the kids in the house, he kicks the mom and the nanny out so the kids can know that their dad is with another woman. What? This is not a good man. But this, but the thing is, like, this kind of behavior for men doesn't just happen overnight. You don't just wake up one morning and decide to blow your life up. I mean, and, and again, none of it is Lisa's fault. But this is also just who Lenny is, 100%. Back at the dinner table, uh, and then Lisa just kind of like walks away from camera. She doesn't want any of it filmed. She's just not okay. The ladies are back at the table. They're playing some sort of game. And Marisol casually, very casually, shares multiple times that she loves blow. They love cocaine, guys. Those ladies, they love cocaine. I'd love to see Marisol and Dorinda together. Those are little, <laughs> little snow bunnies, those two. Um, anyway, Julia in the game asks, uh, the question she gets is if we were all prostitutes, who would make the least amount of money? And Julia says me, because look at me in my pajamas. I would make no money. And Alexia says, no, you would make more money because you're Russian and you know how to be a prostitute. My God, I've said it many, many times. Alexia is a fucking problem. She is a problematic monster. She's not a good person, guys. She says terrible things and she says, "What? I'm just saying." And even in this situation, she says, "I'm just saying. I don't care. I have the say or I have the right to say whatever I want." Alexia does not mind being absolutely xenophobic and stereotypical and terrible to poor Julia. She sort of apologizes begrudgingly, but then she says something like, "She's mad at Lenny, Lenny, and he's Russian, so that's why she's saying these things to Julia." What? What in the Teresa Judice is happening here? Okay. Anyway, the next day, Lisa leaves to go back home. She and Larsa have bonded after all the fights over mortgages and whatnot. Um, in a sprinter van to their very next activity, the ladies tell everybody's together except for Lisa. And the ladies tell Gertie that she can't give advice because she's never been divorced, which is so fucking mean. Gertie's like, okay, I was just trying to like empower her. Like, what is wrong with you guys? But I do think that we had this sort of happen last season with Gertie. I don't think that they necessarily consider Gertie to be one of the group yet. They still kind of consider her as a vendor who kind of got a chance to be on the show. I don't think that they consider her part of 
the society of women that these women come from, which is absurd. Gertie's fucking amazing and she's built herself up from nothing. She actually has the most compelling, coolest story. She's like, I think she and Nicole have actually made their own money. Whereas the rest of them have money because they married somebody. I don't know how Marisol got her money. Was her dad rich? I'm not sure. But these these women just hate on Gertie and Nicole because they're they have money from their own lives, not just by being married to other men. I mean, by these women, I mean Alexia and Larsa and stuff, you know? Um, anyway, uh, on, on that same car ride, they stopped somewhere at like a little, I don't know, I, a little croquetta shop or something. Alexia apologizes to Julia for seeing the prostitute stuff the night before, but then she blames it again on Lenny. She says it's because I was mad at Lenny. And at the same time, Julia's like trying to explain to her like, okay, I understand. Thank you for apologizing. But I just want to explain to you like I as a model growing up, like as a model, young model in Europe, I was constantly told I was a Russian prostitute when they found out I was a model. That was just like what they defaulted me to. And it was deeply, deeply offensive and condescending to all women. And Alexia says the Russian women, they have this reputation. (laughs) So fucked up. It's so fucked up. And Julia's like, no, that's not their reputation. That is your assumption. It is a stereotype. And even if some women do want to be prostitutes, what is wrong with that? What's wrong with someone using their bodies to make money when you are sitting there talking about your glam and your money and all this shit when you, you're mocking Russian women for using their bodies to make money when you yourself have lived with drug money over the years? Like, we're not going to sit here and talk, make comments about people and how they make money when you yourself have <laughs> thrived off of drug money in your life. And Alexia's like, no, I never lived on drug money. I was a victim of falling in love with the drug dealer. Oh, my God. The telenovela of it all. Are you fucking kidding me? Quintessential Alexia making herself a victim of her own choices. I was a victim of falling in love with a drug dealer. <gasps> Oh, God, Alexia, your super dramatic life. Get the fuck out of here. Alexia was with this man from 1987 to 1996. He was arrested in 1992. Yes, did he lose his money? Yes, he did lose his money. But she was with him for a long fucking time. So this whole, oh, uh, he, you know, I had money from my father. No, she... (laughs) She did live off of drug money for quite some time, okay? Alexia says that she owns what she said and that it is what it is and it's her birthday and she can say whatever she wants, but at least she's not a liar. What? 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 So you want to say xenophobic shit. You want to use stereotypes, sexist, misogynist stereotypes against these women against your coworker, and then you want to say, at least I'm owning that I was a sexist misogynist, xenophobe, uh, and I'm not a liar, and it's my birthday, so I can say whatever I want. What? <laughs> what the fuck? So they go back to the Sprinter van, and now Alexia is going and can continuing to explain herself where I just want her to be just say sorry and that's it say sorry here's how it should have gone Alexia says sorry 
And Julia says, I appreciate the apology. This is why it's hurtful. And Alexia says, I understand. I did not mean that. I'm really sorry. And that's it. But Alexia doesn't know how to do that because Alexia is a fucking moron. But Alexia then says that there are documentaries about Russian women coming to America to trap American men by having American children. My God. My God. (laughs) My goodness. And Adriana points out, well, there's a documentary about your life. If somebody watched Cocaine Cowboys and they made assumptions about you and your family, you probably wouldn't like that either. And this is where Alexia goes, well, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of my life and my husband, my, you know, and, and the life that I had with my ex-husband. It, wasn't she just saying at like the croquetta stand that, that, uh, you know, she was like, Julia, you're talking about my, uh, husband just to try to hurt me. And by the way, I didn't live off of drug money. I, you know, I was a victim of falling in love with a man who was a drug dealer, but like, in the car, she's like, oh, no, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of my life that I had before. She's like, you can be a good person who is a prostitute and you can be a good person who is a drug dealer. And Adriana's like, well, what's more shameful, a prostitute or a drug dealer? And I know that Adriana is an asshole, okay? But I think what she's trying to point out is the fact that being a prostitute is not the same thing as a drug dealer. Like the point is that you are coming in and making an assumption about your coworker. You're making an assumption about your coworker being a sex worker because you once watched a documentary about Russian women. You have a Russian coworker and you're making an assumption about her being a sex worker because you once watched a documentary about how Russian women are sometimes sex workers, okay? And what Adriana is saying is, well, people could watch a documentary about your life and make the assumption that you're a drug dealer. Would you like that? And she's like, yeah, but there's good people who can be sex workers and there's good people who could be drug dealers. And Adriana's like, yeah, but one of those things is deeply problematic. Being a drug kingpin, a violent drug kingpin, okay? Like coke dealers are not the same as like marijuana dealers, you guys. It's not the same thing. These are two vastly different drugs and they involve very different lifestyles. So we, it's not the same thing as the fact that we are now, you know, talking about black and brown men being incarcerated for marijuana charges. It's not the same thing when you're a Coke dealer, okay? It's a very different life. So what Adriana is trying to say is that you're comparing being a drug dealer with a sex worker, and that's two completely different things. If, and like... If you're going to watch a documentary and shame women for trapping American men via sex work, we can sit here and we can shame you for living off of drug money. And living off of drug money, some might argue, is far worse because at least if women are using their bodies to make money, sex work is work. What are you doing as a drug dealer? What kind of people are you going to as a drug dealer? What kind of population are you creating? What kind of a vulnerable population are you making money off of as a drug dealer? Come on now. Come on now. Now Alexia pops off and she says, you know what's more shameful is when married is when women date married men. <laughs> Alexia, who says she's so proud of her life. She's so proud of her life and she's so proud of that documentary. 
right? When people point out something dark about her life, the dark truths about her life, she immediately flips on them and makes digs. And at the same time, Alexia is like, some people like to put other people down while she's actively putting Adriana down. Now, Adriana went on a date with a guy who might be married. And so Alexia, because she's being told that actually make living off of drug kingpin money is shameful, right? Have making stereotypes of people based on a documentary that you watched is fucked up. Once she's once her problematic shit is being called out, she is flipping it and calling Adriana a liar and saying, "Well, I own it. You don't own. I own the fact. She, she, I own the fact that I was married to a drug dealer. I own the fact that I was a victim of, a, of being in love with a drug dealer. But she doesn't own the fact that she lived off of drug money. Yes, that's the difference with Alexia, right? And then when Adriana points out that actually, Alexia, you were still married." to Herman when you started dating Todd, Alexia's like, yeah, well, I own that. You don't own that and you're a liar. She calls Adriana a liar because Adriana went on one or two dates with a guy who might be married. And the thing is, Alexia loses her mind when she gets called out for being offensive. She says offensive shit. She gets called out. And when she's called out, she's like, oh no, I own it. And you're actually a worse person. And, And like, it's not owning it when you quote unquote own it by being absolutely vicious and deflecting it to another person. Deflection is not owning. Alexia doesn't own stuff. Saying, saying, okay, yeah, I am a misogynist xenophobe because I watched a documentary. I own it. At least I own it and I'm not a liar. No, but you're you don't own anything because when people point out the other problematic stuff you do, you don't own that either. We already know that Alexia, what she thinks about the women that Peter dates who accuse Peter of, who allegedly Peter physically abused, right? The women that physically get abused by Peter. We know that Peter has a horrible, horrible uh, track record of physical violence against people. And Alexia has every single excuse for that man, every single excuse for that man, every single bad thing to say about the women that accuse him of abuse. So we know that Alexia doesn't actually own things. She owns them in a way where I own it, but I also figure out a way to deflect from it and talk about something else. And that's not owning. And I truly don't understand why people like Alexia. People love her and I don't understand why because she is so, so deeply problematic. Everybody's pointed this out before. She's the same plastic surgery as Teresa. She's got the same deflection as Teresa. She's Teresa. She's Cuban Teresa Judice. That's what she is. Anyway, uh, thank you for being you guys. Thank you for listening. That's it for this episode. Uh, look out in your feeds for a couple of little bonuses that'll come out next week. I will talk to you guys all in the new year. Thank you so much for always being here for listening. I appreciate you so, so, so very much. And, um, I hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful holiday and new year and, uh, just gets time to decompress and enjoy life. And Hey, maybe watch the Sopranos like I am for the first time ever. It's an amazing show. Okay. Bye.